time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Here we go. We've got to jump right into the word of God tonight because I do feel like I know there are some things that God wants to speak to you. So two weeks ago, we started this series. And we are we talking about this idea of say I, say I won't. And so we started in Hebrews chapter 11. And this whole idea is talking about faith. Everybody say faith. Okay, and so in the first week, we looked at the first few verses in Hebrews chapter 11, and we talked about three incredible people from scripture. One of these guys' names was Abel. Everybody say Abel. So Abel, from Abel's life of faith, Abel is mentioned in Hebrews 11 because it says that Abel offered God a sacrifice that was pleasing to God, unlike his brother Abel, uh, unlike his brother Cain. And so we said, hey, if we're going to be say I won't kind of people, and let's just be clear, whenever I'm talking about say I won't kind of Christianity, I'm talking about an unction, a fire, a passion on the inside of you where you no longer are running away from temptation and that's all you do in your life. That's a good start, but that's not God's destiny and ultimate purpose for your life. I'm talking about more than just running away from the devil. I'm talking about turning around, looking him square in the eye and say, say I won't do amazing things for God in my generation. Say I won't walk in purity. Say I won't share the gospel. Say I won't start a prayer meeting at my high school or my junior high just say I won't and watch me do it amen and so we talked about if we're going to be say I won't type of believers say I won't type of Christians we've got to get about several principles and we started with three one we just said that say I won't kind of people they worship God on God's terms not on our own terms. And then we looked at Enoch. Remember that? that? Remember the whole story of Enoch? The Bible says that he was and he was not for God took him because Enoch walked with God. And we talked about the idea that Enoch just goes from walking with God on earth to walking right into the literal presence of God because he never died. He just, God just took him because he was so close to God. Never died, just went to heaven. And so we talked about Abel, I mean, through Abel we saw that say I won't kind of people worship God on his own terms. Through Enoch we saw that say I won't kind of people are a walking, talking, breathing contradiction to the current culture. Enoch was different from everybody else in his generation and he was rewarded for it as well. And then thirdly we looked at Noah and we said, okay, if we're going to be say I won't, if we're going to practice say I won't kind of Christianity... We will instantaneously obey. We will obey. We won't delay. We won't, well, I think God told me this. And then three years later, we're still, well, I know God told me that, but eh, I don't, that's too big of a burden to, to really bear. And so tonight, we're just going to go a little bit deeper in this idea because God is calling us to live out, say, I won't type of Christianity. So let's go straight to the word. How many of you love the word of God? Come on, somebody. Yeah, and those of you, if you don't love the word of God yet, that's okay. Because as you draw closer to God, as you get, see, as you grow, you will realize that God's word is your everything. 
you'll realize that whenever people fail you or tragedy happens in your life or crazy things happen, it's God's word that is going to be your anchor. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and let's start at verse 8. It'll be on the screens for you. It says, it was by faith. Everybody say, by faith. That Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Now listen to this. Say, I won't. He went without knowing where he was going. Okay? Verse 9 says, and even when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith. Everybody say, by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who were his sons and great sons, who inherited the same promise. And then verse 10 says this, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your word because it is a living and it is powerful. There's nothing stale, dull, dry about it. Father, your word has the power to transform lives tonight. Your word has the power to heal broken hearts tonight. Your word literally has the power to change everything in us, about us, through us, and to us tonight. So, Father, we say, speak to us tonight. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. Change us by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, God so longs for us to be a say I won't type of generation. And some of you are, you just, you're, you're just amazing because you think, you, you, you understand, oh, like say I won't. Okay, like, and, and, but you're just kind of in the, in the, going in the opposite direction of what God wants you to do. So everything that, that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is inviting you to do, you're kind of like, well, say I won't rebel against God. <laughs> say I won't. <laughs> say I won't, you know, talk all through worship and the message. I don't care who corrects me. Say I won't. And so, and so what you've got to understand is that every say I won't attitude will reap some type of consequences. And so you have this divine invitation. See, what you've got to understand is that thing that is on the inside of you that so wants to rebel. God says, if you allow me to get a hold of that, can you imagine what I can do in you and through you for my kingdom and for my glory? Can you imagine the difference that you could have in your junior high, in your high school, on your softball team, in your taekwondo club, if you allow me to work with that level of passion on the inside of you can you imagine what you can do with my grace upon you and my spirit empowering you this is why the enemy fights you so hard say i won't just talk all through the message (laughs) i got another say i won't for you and so so what what happens is what happens is you've got to allow the lord to turn that and realize hey the enemy is playing you like a puppet Because as long as you, because this is the deal, you guys, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. That's why it is so hard for some of us, many, and many of you have experienced, I've experienced growing up my whole life in church, it was so hard to pay attention whenever somebody was teaching or speaking on the word of God. I was just too dumb to realize that that was Satan trying to distract me, and I was playing right into his hands. Amen? But... It's so amazing because the vast majority of you, of you, 
you have so realized this and you have so grasped with your heart just a sense of honor for God and a sense of honor whenever God is speaking. You just sit there like people talk to you and you're just like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. And, and I am so proud of you for doing that. And you need to know that years from now, you will reap blessings that you had no idea was coming your way simply because you chose to honor the presence of God. I'm a living witness. Come on, somebody. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about a willingness to be perfected. And so lest you think I've lived perfectly. Some of even on staff and our leadership have lived perfect. No, 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 no. But, but, but there was a level of obedience and honor for, for God and for whenever God was speaking that, you know what, over time I just learned to be quiet and just say, okay, God, I don't even want to hear what you have to say right now. But, but I'm, I'm not going to be crazy enough to be a distraction to the word of God. You guys are doing this, vast majority of you, so well. I just want to encourage you tonight to know that there are blessings you have no idea that the Lord will open for you. Why? Because you just chose to honor them. Amen? Amen. And so God is looking for this. God is looking for say I won't type of believers in this generation. Your teenage years was made. It was made for say I won't moments. And so in addition to great men and women of God in the Bible and, 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 and you know what? I know that DSM even is filled with young people who are full of say I won't faith because I know, I know some of you, I know some of your stories say I won't faithfully facilitate prayer meetings at my school where sometimes I'm the only one because God is worth it. Or say I won't ask my coach to change the time of practice so that I can come to DSM and actually have him tell me yes. Come on, there's people here, right here. They're among us, okay? Say I won't challenge the powers. Challenge the powers that be in order to have prayer at my school. Say I won't. Say I won't. Say I won't in months of sexual immorality because I sat in an office, gave my life to the Lord in December, and ended all sexual immorality with my girlfriend. Say I won't. See, these, see, some of you, you're, whoa, whoa, people are doing, yes, they are here. They are among us. They're to your left. They're to your right. They're in front of you. They're behind you. These are real students, real teenagers who are living out, say I won't Christianity, and I am so proud of you. Say I won't alter my college plans to be a missionary for half a year. And take the gospel to nations where I feel that God is calling me to at least for a season. Simply because God told me to. In addition to people in the Bible, in addition to people right here in DSM, you have incredible say I won't people. They are featured all in our lobby. And that's not by any means an exhaustive list. But if you look around the lobby, it's all very intentional. You know, those are people who we feel like practice just kind of had this say I won't type of mentality. You know, you, 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 have, a, you have a young lady who says, say I won't say no to giving up my seat on a bus because of the color of my skin when asked to do so. And ultimately in segregation in the public transportation systems here in the United States of America. Rosa Parks, say I won't. Say I won't. Say I won't. And Frank, say I won't. Defy the odds and survive in hiding for two years while so many of my people are being executed. Say I won't survive. And Frank, say I won't. Say I won't lead a march across Edmund Pettus Bridge in, pro in protest to racial discrimination and injustice concerning voting rights at the same place where me and 600 others were literally beaten to a pulp with billy clubs just two days prior. Furthermore, leading peaceful protests against a myriad of racial injustices. Say I won't. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Say I won't. See, we have 
so many great examples before us. But it means nothing if everybody else is living it and you are not. So Hebrews, Hebrews, verse 8, this kind of, this, this, this idea of, of, of Abraham. See, Abraham, we've got to go all the way back to the Old Testament and see where Abraham's story starts. See, Abraham's story covers 13 chapters in the book of Genesis, as well as parts of two other chapters. His story starts in Genesis 12, right? Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4 says this. And the Lord said to Abram, this is before he changed his name to Abraham, said to Abram, listen to what God says. Hey, Abram, I need you to do this. Leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I'll make you famous. And you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless everybody who blesses you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now it's interesting because you, we kind of read scripture and it's like, oh, no big deal. Abraham left and went to him. Do you hear this? What if God told you, hey, just get up and leave where you are. And I'm not even telling you where you are going. I just need you to leave. And in the process, at some point after you decide to leave and your little feet start moving, and before you get to your destination, I'll kind of give you some hints of instruction along the way. But this is what the life of faith is like. John said it this way. People who are born of the Spirit, they are kind of like the wind. Even as the wind blows and you don't know where it's coming from and you don't really know where the wind is going, such it is with those who are born of the Spirit, those who are sons and daughters of God. We live a wild life. We do crazy things for the kingdom of God. We take bold risks because we refuse to be satisfied with status quo Christianity. We refuse to look like everybody else in our generation because we know that God is calling us higher, that God is calling us forward, that God is calling us to accomplish great things that the status quo Christianity just will not get us. So we refuse to remain satisfied. Is anybody feel that way tonight? So Abram, Abram, well, look, look at this. God tells him, okay, leave your native country. This kind of sounds like what Jesus said to us in Luke 14, 26. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow after me, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Look at this Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, he went without knowing where he was going. Guys, that's kind of what faith is or one aspect of faith. I don't have all the pieces. I don't know how to put all the, I don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. As a matter of fact, I don't even know fully what the picture looks like. But I am stepping out because I heard God say this. Because I read, because I read in the scripture where God has spoken this to me. And I must be obedient. And it may sound radical to you. It may sound crazy to you. But I've got to obey what God is calling me to do. Amen? So Abram just said yes without knowing where he was going. See, again, you guys, the life of faith. 
is one of constant movement. If you're not moving somewhere in God, you are not living a say I won't type of Christianity. I don't know what kind of Christianity you're living really. Because whenever you're following Jesus, the whole idea is walking. The whole idea is movement. I am moving from one degree of glory, Corinthians says, to another degree of glory. From one degree of faith to another degree of faith. I believe I had this much faith last year, but this year I'm stretching my faith a little bit. I'm going to dare to believe God for something great greater than I've ever believed him for previously because my faith is getting stronger because I'm exercising the muscles of faith and following Jesus and trusting him that God is going to come through for me whenever I step out in bold faith. My God, if 12 of you would catch this type of say I want Christianity, we could see this city turn upside down for the glory of God. For the glory of God. So Abram said, Yes. I don't know where I'm going, God. How nice of you to call me. I don't know where I'm going, but I'll say yes. See, this means whatever God speaks to us, we do it. Whether we like it or not, whether it makes us, whether it makes full sense to everybody else or not, whether it's popular or whether it's widely accepted or whether it's culturally acceptable. Or, see, we obey not because we understand every intricate detail of the plan of God. We simply obey because we believe in him because we have found him to be trustworthy. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, uh, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that God is, God exists, and that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so there must be an inherent faith in your heart that God gives to you that you actually respond to and step out on saying, okay, Lord, I really don't even know you that well. See, some of you, you don't even know God. That's okay. We're so glad you're here. I hope you get to know him. It starts from a place of you actually believing what this preacher is telling you tonight. That God is good. I know tragedies happen. I know stuff happens. I am human. We're only human. I know that. You don't, you, you don't, I know that. But still, deep down in me is it resolved because I have chosen to believe God, to believe what God says about God. And God says that God is good. Therefore, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, no matter what transpires or doesn't transpire, I still have to believe and resolve in my heart that God is good. That's the basis. You can't be a say I won't type of follower of Jesus without first believing that God is good. And he is a rewarder. How many of you love rewards? Come on, somebody. I'd be so, somebody got a reward for me? Give me a reward. <laughs> Send that trophy my way. Come on. And so, and so, so, so we've got to believe this is who he is. This is what you do. This is what you do. I mean, you, it's his heart. He loves, he delights in rewarding his children. But God just doesn't just kind of give out trophies just because you're cute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's a, there's a whole, there's a whole list of, there's a whole doctrine of rewards and, and judgments and, and all of that. As you go through Hebrews, and it is those who exemplified and walked in great faith, 
those will be the ones with great rewards whenever we stand before him. And ultimately, it's all about him anyways. So my trophy is just temporarily anyways. You know what I'm saying? Because all we're going to do is lay it back down at his feet. So it's not some kind of selfish, little ambitious thing that I'm telling. I'm saying I want great rewards to throw and to cast before his feet whenever we all stand before him. As we all will. Make no mistake about it. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory and praise of God that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So it's not a matter of if you will bow. It is a matter of when you will bow. I choose to bow my knee to him now because I want rewards to lay before him. Say, I won't. Say, I won't type of Christianity. This is what God is looking for and expecting from us as a generation. Say, I won't. People are not perfect. Somebody say amen on that one. If you're perfect, lift up both your hands. Thank you. Okay. And so, and if you did, you're just full. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I won't. So say I won't. People are not perfect. Again, God is not looking for perfect people. Somebody say, thank God. Because we would all be DQ'd, disqualified, round one, cast out, thrown out of the ring, and say, don't even come back. But see, see, he, he's not looking for perfect people. See, Abraham was no different. Because listen to this. See, we, we, we love talking about the great things that people have done. But I think we, we, we kind of forget Abraham. Consider his history in Genesis. After his call, he went. But did you hear me earlier whenever I read the scripture? The Bible said, leave everybody. Leave your family. Go to the land. And the Bible says that early next morning, he went. And Lot came with him. And so it's like, bruh, bruh, bruh. God said, go by yourself, and you taking folks with you, uh, wh- I mean, wh- like, where's the disconnect here? And, but, but here's the deal. See, this warranted a battle to rescue Lot later. Abraham, Abram was not perfect. We want to know something else? He, he, he lied about Sarah being his sister in order to save his, his own life in Genesis 12, 10 through 20. You can find that he even became rich over this little deception. And then, then later, he was willing to adopt this guy named Eleazar, one of his servants, in order to become his heir since he had not received a son yet in Genesis chapter 15. And then after at least 10 years of trying to have a child... He then listens to Sarah's suggestion to use their uh, maid, Hagar, to produce a child. But listen to this. Notice the clear picture of the grace of God. Because there's no mention of these great mistakes along the way in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews just kind of glosses right up and says, Abraham was a man of faith. That's what we remember about him. And I am telling you, you guys, it is not about how you start. It is about how you finish doesn't matter how you start. Come on, that ought to be encouraging to somebody. Because some of our starts, amen. There's no mention of this. Rather, we see great triumphant victory that we talk about of Abraham today. Father Abraham had many sons. Right, everybody knows it. Yeah. All right, I got the corner. Okay, <laughs> that's my jam. Okay, we turn it up in the corner. Okay, and so we talk about the great faith. We got the great faith of, of, of Abram. You guys, verses 9 through 10. See, when Abraham finally reached the land of promise, this is what's interesting. By the way, he'd never owned a foot of the land. He was more excited about following and fulfilling the plan of God than he was about getting something out of God. See, God told him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to give you all these things. But when he finally got there, he was so much more concerned about fulfilling God's plans 
for his life. See, what's powerful about Abraham is that he was perfectly content. Verse 10 says, living in tents, looking ahead to a city designed and built by God. Abraham was kingdom-minded. Everybody say kingdom-minded. There was a mindset that Abraham had that, gosh, I wish, I hope, my prayer is that we would get where we would live kingdom-minded. See, whenever you live kingdom-minded, the church is who we are, but the kingdom, that governs how we live. We live our lives differently because we understand that our citizenship is not of this. I, we are Christians. We are Christians. We are followers of Christ. Our, our home is in heaven. We are just passing through on this planet Earth. We're just sojourners, the Bible says. We're just kind of temporarily here. Do you understand that your ultimate destination is to make it back to your homeland, which is heaven, which is the full and un unrestrained presence of God. So we're just passing through. So you begin to understand that I live my life differently. You may laugh at me because I spend time in prayer. You may laugh at me because I am worshiping now. But you've got to understand that I am not of this world. That's why you don't understand me. That's why you don't, that's why, I don't care. Because we're not from the same place. See, say I won't type of Christianity. He's able to look at the culture and say, it's okay that you don't understand me. As a matter of fact, you, they didn't understand Jesus. And I'm like a little Jesus. <laughs> and so that you, I, it's okay. It, it's okay if you don't like every decision that I make. It's okay that, that some of my decisions, even, even my decisions to walk in purity or my decisions to, 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 to live my life differently from the rest of the world, it's okay that it offends you because the way that Jesus lived offended so many people. Come on, somebody. It's okay. It's okay you don't understand while I'm on my face worshiping God. It's okay that you, you don't even understand. I have to stay up late on Wednesday nights to finish all of my flipping homework. Because, but but, but that I would not allow that to keep me from getting to the house of God. See, you don't understand whenever I come, this is my lifeline. This is my connect point. This is where I get filled up so that I can pour out all over my school for the rest of the week. So laugh at me if you must, but God will make up the difference. Come on, somebody. Say, I won't. Say, I won't. And so, so, he was kingdom-minded. See, he knew he was not built to remain on earth forever. And say, I won't type of Christ followers. You will understand that earth is not your destination. You'll understand that, 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 that earth is not your final end goal. Your goal heaven. Your goal is to make it there. Your goal is to live your life poured out for the kingdom of God because you have a kingdom mindset so you understand that sacrifices are part of this journey that we make and, 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 we, and we make intentional decisions to lift others up and, and to maybe lower ourselves a little bit and to extend forgiveness to those who have done unforgivable things and to, and, and to practice faith in moments when everything can be shaken on the inside of us because of what's happened in our family or because of what's happened in our school but, but we, we are kingdom minded there, this, this, is, this isn't the end there there is so much more to me than what you see. Say I won't live in such a way that honors God. Say I won't moments along the way. 
I was so blessed just a couple days ago. I was reading on Instagram a person that I went to college with saw this camp that I'm going to be speaking at this summer, and it's a big deal down in Oklahoma. And this person tagged me and just said, Brandon Cormier, it's so cool to see. I remember our, our days in college, and you loved Jesus. You loved Jesus well back then, so it's no surprise you're still loving him well now. And it blessed me so much because whenever you live, say I won't type of, it was like, say I won't live in such a way that honors God that everybody else knows about it. Say I won't remain sexually pure and be able to walk Octavia down the aisle and stand at the altar a virgin at 27 years old. Say I won't live in purity before my God. Say I won't stop dibbling and dabbling into sexual pornography and looking at all. Say I won't be a man of God who walks in purity despite what everybody else in my school or on my team is talking about and doing. Say I won't scroll through inappropriate Instagram pictures and everything else, Snapchat and everything. Say I won't. Say I won't delete it if I cannot control myself. Say I won't. B- turn in my cell phone and tell my parents to get rid of my, uh, my, 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 my 3G, my data plan. Say I won't. Say I won't break up with him or her because they are not spurring me on to good deeds in Jesus Christ and honoring the Lord. Say I won't. Say I won't. Say I won't obey my parents with such radical obedience that my friends laugh at me because I actually honor them. And I listen to what they have to say. Say I won't seek out mentors and godly counsel before I make wild and crazy decisions in my life. Say I won't go to my cadre leader. Say I won't text them at midnight whenever I'm struggling with the temptation, but I know they'll pray for me. Say I won't find them on Facebook and send them a direct message and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, this, and this. Can you pray for me? Say I won't because I really want to be free. Say I won't. You guys getting this tonight? Say, I won't. Let's skip tonight. Abraham, according to Jesus, even somehow saw with the eyes of faith the appearing, the appearing of Jesus. John 8, 56 talks about this. I want to wrap this up with four simple points tonight. Because we talked about three things two weeks ago about what Say I Won't Christianity looks like. I want to give you four more things tonight, and we're going to wrap up. As a matter of fact, I want the worship team to go down and make your way to the stage tonight. We have about five or six minutes left, so come on up here. You guys can transition this. Just pay attention while all the shuffling is going on, okay? Say I won't be able to pay attention. Okay, great. Okay, so number one, number one, number one. I think that Say I Won't Christianity looks like this. Say I Won't Christianity, number one, will demonstrate blind obedience. Verse 8, blind obedience. Say I won't take notes. (laughs) Demonstrate blind obedience. Blind obedience to God's voice via the word. Blind obedience to, to, to God's voice through mentors, leaders in my life, people who love me, who are coaching me. Or even secular authority say I say I won't obey teachers and coaches and principals and on the job say I won't honor them say I won't and so demonstrates 
Blind obedience. Kind of like Abraham. Whenever God told him, or Abram at the time, hey, I want you to leave the land, and I'm not even telling you where you're, where you're going. I just, I just want you to go. I just, just get up and go. Blind obedience. Number two, people with say I won't, or who are going to live out say I won't Christianity, possess a kingdom perspective which is this, you guys, it's a long-term type of vision. You see, if you cannot see it, I say this all the time, if you can't see it, you won't believe it. If you can't see it, you won't believe it. And so you ask God, show me what it looks like to live this thing out. This is within your reach. This is within your grasp by the grace of God empowering you. Say, I won't. So number two, possess a kingdom perspective. And that's what Abram Abram had, you guys. It was this idea that Abram, see, history was kind to Abram. One of my mentors says this all the time. History will be kind to me because by the grace of God, I will write it. I'll write it. And I think that's kind of how Abram lived his life. History has been really kind to Abraham. I mean, Father Abraham. History has been kind to him because by the grace of God, he wrote it with his obedience to God's word and what God was asking him to do. Possess a kingdom perspective, you guys. A long-term vision to know that earth is not your final destination. Live in light of eternity. I want this to burn in your hearts. I feel this so strongly tonight. Live in light of eternity because eternity awaits and you just don't know because life is so fragile we've got to live like we're dying like we because we really are this whole thing is going to come to an end live in light of eternity with a kingdom mindset see when you live this way really your life's not a sacrifice it really makes a whole lot more sense it's really logical to live for Jesus. Would you guys know that? I mean, even with all your brain, you, it, it's just, it makes sense to serve God. Ecclesiastes says, serve the Lord in the days of your youth, before you are old, before, you're, before you're, the latter parts of your youth, when you can't do very much for him. Serve him. Your teenage years was made for say I won't moments. Your teenage years, your 20s, it was God tailor made it to facilitate say I won't type of Christianity you want to know why because if you mess up people just say oh you're just young <laughs> it's no big deal right whenever you try to do something uh, guys I remember this in college this is crazy you're going to laugh at me I don't care we went a group of my friends I was sharing this with DLA maybe several months ago there was this death that happened in our city and one of my friends just had this dream and said, hey, I think we're supposed to go to the funeral home and pray for this child to be raised from the dead. And we were just crazy enough to believe that Jesus could still raise somebody from the dead. So we literally go to the funeral home and we're standing outside. And then they let us in the funeral home. They're breaking all sorts of policies and rules. But we just had a kind of faith on the inside of us saying, say I won't pray for the dead to be raised in my generation. Say I won't dare to believe God. And you, and you would see some of you, it's no big deal for you because, but for some, that's real to me. That was a say I won't moment. 
And it had no, it's, did anything happen? Not that we saw, I don't know. But we were obedient to what we felt like God was calling us to do. I'm not saying you got to be spiritually weird and wacky and don't be bizarre. We're, don't do weird things. I'm just saying, just really, really. I'm just saying taking bold risks for the kingdom of God needs to return to the church again. And I believe that God is wanting to do that through us, through this generation. Number three, you're willing to forsake all to follow Jesus. Even if that's friendships, even if that's relationships along the way, because he means just that much to you. See, say I want Christianity is a willingness. You see, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac on an altar because he had to say I won't think. Say I won't obey God. Sacrifice my son who I have waited so long for. I mean, I've been waiting and, and done all these things. God told me he was going to give me a son. Say I won't sacrifice him if that's the thing that God is calling me to do because I love God and I trust God that much and God means more to me than anyone or anything on planet earth. Say I won't. Finally, number four here, say I won't. Number four, if you're going to be a say I won't type of Christ follower, possess a greater concern and value for God than his blessing. Oh, there are amazing blessings for following God. There are incredible things that the Lord will send your way. And I've been so honored to see God's hand so faithfully upon my life. But say I won't type of Christianity is a Christ follower that says, I I have more concern and value for, for, for God than what God can do for me. He means more to me than what he can do for me. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.